Welcome to the Pro-Life Team podcast. I'm here with Jeannie, and we're going to look at her story, her story of going from running an abortion clinic to, to running a pregnancy clinic. So welcome, Jeannie. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Um, Please introduce yourself the way you would to a, uh, a a clinic director, a pregnancy clinic director. How it maybe tell your backstory, and then we'll go into your your life's the, the your journey story. Well, um, I'm Jeannie Pernia. I currently live here in Miami, Florida. Um, I'm currently working with Passion Life Ministries, which is a ministry that goes actually to the neediest places in the world where abortion is highest ranked, um, but that's not where I started. So I look forward to sharing what God can do with a broken vessel when you give your heart and your life to the Lord, how he can redirect and uh, just restore, restore what the enemy wanted for bad, that's my psalm, Psalm fifty twenty, to what the what the Lord can do it for good. Awesome. So, so tell us the story, you know, of you know how you were. You know, maybe start at the beginning when it comes to, sure. um, you know, running an abortion clinic. You know, what? How did that begin, and what? How did that journey look like? Well, um, I'm originally from New York City. My parents, uh, my father's Irish, my mom's family was from Puerto Rico, and they got married very young. And due to that um, inexperience and not knowing things of the Lord, they got divorced. And so as a, my mom was a single parent of four kids, um, she always had me very close to her, and, and she was involved in the medical field. In New York City, she ran uh, clinics, regular medical center clinics, you know. Um, and then when I became a teenager here in Miami, uh, with the experience I had acquired working in these clinics, I started working in a, what I thought was just a woman's center. This was back in 1976, 77. And um, I was working in, in an abortion center. When I got the job, I was just the receptionist. I really didn't know that they did abortions. They didn't share that with me right off. And I worked there for about two weeks and then I was involved in an auto accident. And at that time, um, my mom came to Miami and she started working there. And she got the job that I left and she learned the whole business. And because she was very business savvy, um, she realized that she could actually run a business like this. So we found the busiest corner in a very active city, which is called Hialeah. This was back in the in mid 70s, about 1977. And she found the busiest corner and we opened up what was then called Hialeah Medical Center for Women. We were not going to church. Actually, um, my mom was raised Catholic and because she was divorced, she felt that she was divorced from the church as well. So she had been married twice. Her second marriage was to my stepdad, who was Cuban. So we were really involved in a lot of other types of religious activities within that Cuban culture. And so what happened was that, as you would know, 
dealing in issues of abortion, she was always having problems. And I felt it in my heart that she needed a partner, someone who could come alongside of her with the responsibility. And so I started dating uh, an older man who I'd met. I was in my second year of college, I was 20 years old. And I started this relationship and this gentleman also was interested in getting involved in uh, medical businesses. So to me, it was perfect, right? We had a, a strong relationship. And um, he was interested in investing in the, in the clinic. So what ended up happening was um, I was sexually active. I'd been sexually active for a couple of years. And for as so many women where I can identify, I thought I wasn't going to be able to have children. It's like, no, I don't think kids are for me. And I doubt I'll ever get pregnant. And within eight months within the relationship, I got pregnant. And I was ecstatic. I was happy. I thought everything was going to work. I thought this was the excellent time. And when I went to share the news, he didn't feel the same way as I did. On the contrary, he clearly told me, we're not ready to have a family. We just started this business and we have the business. And I remember that moment was so tragic for me because I looked at him and I said, you know, that clinic is there for women who don't want their babies. That's not my story. I want my baby. And from that moment for two weeks, we went back and forth, back and forth. And I did approach a few people, but it was like everybody thought that it wasn't the right time. Mm. And my mom, she really didn't like him for me. And so she says, honey, you know, I'll support you, but you know, you really need to think about it. And that was enough for me to Immediately at that moment, my first thought was, how do I psychologically make myself believe that what they're saying is true and what I'm thinking is not right? And sure enough, the psyche went to work and I thought, I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping, I'm crying every day. This baby is not going to be healthy. And that's what led me two weeks on a Sunday morning, when I knew nobody would be there, mm. to include my mom, I made the decision to abort my baby, my first child, right there in that business. And I came out of there, and I remember clearly that all I could think about was wanting to be pregnant again, because that's what we do. We want to, those that want their babies are already thinking about, how do I replace this pregnancy? And guess what? God answered my prayer right away because I stayed in the relationship and within two weeks I was pregnant again, actually within eight weeks. And this time I was happy. I told my mom, listen, this is our secret. I am not going to abort this baby no matter what. And so it went. And uh, sure enough, when it was I was in my fourth month. My mom says, it's time, to, it's time to let the cat out of the bag. And we did. And immediately I was accused. And, you know, this wasn't what you're supposed to do. And, well, uh, seven months later, my beautiful baby girl, Sharissa, was born. We severed the relationship along with the business relationship. And my mom sold her part and opened up another, another clinic. That's what she did. And then she started doing plastic surgery and 
that had a very tragic ending in itself. But just to stay on the story, I um, within a year, I met another man who had just come from Cuba. And he fell in love with my little girl. And that's what it took. So we got married. We had two more kids. And because we weren't serving the Lord, the relationship was also crumbling. But that's what led me to seek the Lord. The Lord put a woman... I always share my bank story. A woman on a bank line saw my despair and she asked me if I wanted to have her come and pray for me. And at that time, I was at the end of my rope. I had three children. My marriage was totally going downhill and I accepted Christ and he revolutionarily turned my life around. From that moment on, and I was in New York City, Um, it was a long, it was a long haul. It was actually 27 years it took from that moment to come back to the same city where I had had that abortion business. I don't call it a clinic because clinics is for health. This was a business and I was at church and I had moved back to Miami just a year when, uh, as God would have it, Reverend John Ensor, who is the CEO for Passion Life, walked into my church and started talking about abortion. I hadn't heard the word again. I had not visited that word. But at that moment, he started to shoot out statistics. In the city where we had had this business, he said there were seven abortion businesses in the city of Hialeah. Mm. And he had come here from Boston because Miami-Dade County was the highest in abortion and abortion providers in the nation. And this was back in 2006. And so sure enough, when I heard this, my first, my first desire was to get up and run out of the church. Hmm. But I kept thinking, why is he talking about this in church? And then I couldn't help but walk out after I had heard someone share their testimony and everything that I had pressed down started to bubble up. And the girl who had shared her testimony was actually a close friend of mine by now. So I walked out and he says that I looked at him and said, okay, I need to know how I can help you stop what I started. And from that moment on, I was the one who was asked to go and find a building that we could bring a true pregnancy center to. And sure enough, I went back to that corner that I had not visited in 27 years. And when I parked at the building, I looked and next door to the left, there was a little house that I remember that said for lease. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Here, God? And he said, yes. So on July 9th, 2007, Martha Avila, who is the president of Heartbeat of Miami, Reverend John Ensor, and Jeannie Pernia started the first of four pregnancy health clinics here in South Florida. But the kicker is we were next door and it was a small house. And sure enough, that women started coming looking for abortion because That often happens that if there's been an abortion in any certain area, it's almost like there's a spirit of death in that area. And the Mm. women go back there looking to see 
if there is still a place where they can abort their child. So now here I was <coughs> pointing to the building when they would come in and I would share my testimony. I would say, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I do need to tell you what happened to me. And I want you to know that I'm going to give you the options that I never got. You're going to make the decision. And after six years of being next door, I told Martha, you know what? I want to pray to be back in the building. And that was a very, very difficult step. But we did. It became empty. The owners of that building were the same owners of the building that we were renting. And we had the opportunity to go back to the very same building where thousands of babies, to include my child, had died. Mm -hmm. To bring life-saving help in a life-changing way to this community. And it, we went on to North Miami, we went on to Kendall, we went on to Flagler. And Flagler, we had the same opportunity to take over a building that had been an abortion business, to be a pregnancy center. And I want you to know that I think that we're all born with a desire to find out what we were created for. And I thank God because I know why I was created. And what happened was in 2017, what was it, 10 years, after 10 years of serving in Heartbeat of Miami, as co-founder and as the center director, I had the opportunity to have Reverend Enser come back around and say, how do you feel about going and sharing your testimony worldwide? And I said, sign me up. And so by the grace of God, I've traveled to many countries. I'm working actively right now in Colombia, in Cuba, Santo Domingo, also China, Vietnam. We are hitting those areas where they need to know the truth of the gospel mm -hmm. because that's the entry point. We have found that it is in the, in the midst of the crisis that you have the opportunity to share the gospel. And it's a life-changing event that not only do you help save the baby, but you help save the mama. Yeah. And so here I am back where it all began and bringing life-saving help in just an amazing way alongside with Martha and the pregnancy help workers, um, helping women know that there is other options, that abortion is not the answer. It's never the answer. And also I need to make sure that, you know, everyone understands that I also help in restoring the heart. It's the after abortion uh, study that I had to go through because yes, you know, I, I knew the Lord by the time I was back and, and, and I had given my heart to him and everything that was with it. But guess what? There was a brokenness inside of me that I didn't want to deal with. And it wasn't until I really got the healing specifically for the abortion, that I was able to really take off my mask and, um, and really now walk in the healing and in the forgiveness that I needed to be able to honestly be able to be present for those women that need it. So I also do that. So what were the 
what were the steps that you took to to find your healing and then what are you know how are you what what are the steps that you're encouraging other women to take to find their healing yes um if a woman has had an abortion or has been involved in the abortion businesses it's very important regardless i understand that we have a wound and that wound is not healed until you're able to open your heart up to the lord and have the holy spirit come and cleanse it and is it painful yes i oftentimes say it's like a root canal you know you got to get that that nerve out of there but once it's healed you're going to have a scar but it's just not going to hurt anymore and I understand there are many women, Jason, that just cannot face that. And they think that they're going to face it by themselves, but they don't have to, because that's why the Lord sent the Holy Spirit. He walks through it with us. And it is vitally important to understand that for you to be present in the life of a woman who is seeking an abortion or is seeking... You need to be healed from what you've experienced because every time you see her, you're always going to go trying to trying to save yourself. And we know that it is everybody's personal decision. So once you're healed, you're able to walk into her crisis and let her know that you are there for her. But she is ultimately going to be the one making that decision. And um, mm. I would say that from the moment that I was born, God had this plan because I am fluent in Spanish. Had she not married my stepdad and moved to Miami, I would have never spoken Spanish. And that I, I really work with many, many uh, Central South American and Caribbean women. Wow. So so and and then the, with uh, with heartbeat of Miami, I, with five clinics and such a in a such a abortion, well, the, the number of abortion clinics in that county being so overwhelming, um, it just seems like a daunting amount of there's there's a lot of work and opportunity to make a difference. Uh, what's it so, like working in such a you know, with so many abortion clinics in your county? Well, there's a lot of work to be done and we need a lot of volunteers. You know, that's how we can make it happen because obviously we don't have the millions of dollars that Planned Parenthood has, that private clinics have, but um, this is where I wanna be. I wanna be where these women are because what a woman that's facing a crisis pregnancy, what she needs is someone who's going to come alongside of her, just like the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, and be there. That's what I needed. That's what I didn't get. And so I would say that, thank hmm. God that a lot of things are changing. And we are trusting that we will have the opportunity to speak to more women. And, you know, when you impact one life, and one woman, she's there. She is going to impact her whole circle and her whole family. And that's how we are able to rescue one woman at a time in a pregnancy help clinic or in a pregnancy help ministry. I mean, Martha and I, we've talked to women 
in the coffee shop, in the supermarket, you know, it's great to have a clinic. But in Cuba, our ministry, the leaders that I have there, they go house to house. They have a handheld ultrasound machine and they're able to put that ultrasound machine up on her belly and, you know, and, and they're saving lives. So, you know, it doesn't have to be in four walls. Of course, it's, it's always best. But know that all you need is the heart to be prepared. And, um, you know, we, we do have a lot of material. Um, passionlife.org has everything available to be trained, to understand, you know, what your calling is. So know that that is available if, this is, if you feel that this is your calling. So speaking of Passion Life, the, when you're speaking with the women in Colombia or in China and these other, other countries, what message are you working with? Or is it unique per country or is it a common message you're sharing across those different countries? Well, we go to teach the four questions that Reverend John Ensor um, has put together, making it very simple. And we speak to pastors like he did in my church and leaders, women, uh, you know, women leaders. And it's basically, you know, what does the Bible say about life, including the life in the womb? What does the word of God say about the shedding of innocent blood? What does, what does the word of God say about bringing grace and forgiveness to women who have had abortions as and that's kind of my my question is question three and number four it says what does the word of god call us to do to be able to provide help and so we go and we teach these four questions which reverend john started in china with the underground church and before you knew it the pastors there were just so taken back with a country like China, you know, when they had had that one child policy, they wanted to know more about the word of God. And mm. so that's what we do. And every country, you know, we set it out there for them and they work it however they feel led to do it. We give them the tools, but ultimately they know their people. They know their areas. You know, um, we are on Monday, no, Sunday, we're taking off to Colombia with a three city tour. And it's just bringing pastors together and teaching them for them to teach. Cause that's what we do. We teach the pastors and we want the pastors to teach other pastors and the people from their church. What does the word of God say? And um, that's how we make that work. And then Oftentimes there are women that are going to stand out, come back later and say, I had an abortion and I don't know how to deal with it. And then I have the opportunity to take them through the Bible study in a retreat, a weekend. We, you know, we get ready, we pray with them and we lead them into their healing. And those are the women that later want to serve in the ministry and bring the good news to women who are facing crisis crisis pregnancy i mean we go just full circle so with the with the countries that you're the other countries are they so you're actually flying to Colombia? Um, that's correct do you, do you usually connect over the phone or through zoom other than the in person or how do you actually reach all these different groups and pastors well we have leaders there that bring the 
pastors together, and it's been very difficult, obviously, with, um, you know, we've actually not really been able to do many with COVID. We have done some things on Zoom, but um, we're happy to hear that they're allowing us to go to Columbia. We've got like 192 pastors already registered in wow. three cities to come and hear what God has to say about abortion. So yeah, we fly ourselves in, we cover our own expenses and, um, and you know, we, we one, and one important thing uh, also I wanna share is that 92% of abortions are performed outside of the United States. And that's something that a lot of people are not aware of. Although most of the monies, you know, are stay here in the United States to help, but there are a lot of people who are interested in missions. And those are the people that we are serving. Okay. So, um, so when it comes to the message that you're delivering to the pastors in other countries versus the message that might be delivered to a pastor here in the U.S., um, have you found that the pastors in the U.S. are also interested or, or willing to hear and how, how would you compare that to the, you know, to the response or the interest well, of pastors overseas? Well, what we're doing now is Passion Life also has just begun a ministry within the United States that's called, it's called Essentials. And the Essentials training is bringing that same information to the pastors here through the pregnancy centers. So we have some new staff on board that is actually bringing this word of, of the four questions and the teaching to the different centers through their, their pastors. So that's what, I mean, that's how it works. You know, you, we can help these women and get them um, to understand the importance of life, but we need the pastors to disciple them. So it's a teamwork between the church and the pregnancy centers to be able to really, you know, come alongside of them and help them. And before you know it, it's not just the mommy and the baby, it's the dad and it's the family and everybody's getting involved. But um, yes, uh, I believe that more and more pastors here in the U.S. are now understanding, especially, I mean, you know, the issue of pro-life now is just everywhere in the United States and, and what's happening. So yeah. they are getting involved and we do have um, that essentials program going. And anybody who would be interested in that just needs to go to uh, passionlife.org and all of the information is available. If there's someone who's interested in having John or Mark Nicholson, who is the, our director, um, come and provide that training. They are here also to provide that. So when, when a church becomes, um, when, when after the church goes to this, this training, specialized, um, the specialized training, what's the result that the church is, like, what's the, what do you uh, hope or find that the churches are doing next? Well, a lot of times that's when you'll find men and women that will step out and say, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Bible said that. And then oftentimes 
they we we try to get one person who is a, a, a liaison with the pregnancy center where this person can go you know we highly um we we want to make sure that everything is confidential and so um they are referred to either someone at the pregnancy center or the pastor will contact us and offer that person the help that they need but you know basically what we want is the pastors to share with other pastors to bring the conversations to the church because if you think about it that's where i got it you know had reverend john answer not taken the step and talked about this at my church i wouldn't have been able to do any of this let alone receive the healing that is so important in regards to having had an, uh, an abortion mm. pass. Yeah, that's a really so, good story um, of, how, of, your, of how it helped bring you into that space of healing. And now oh you're instrumental in, in, in reaching more women with this, you know, good news, the gospel and, and hope and healing and restoration. Yeah. And, you know, if anyone really, I mean, it's an amazing story. I call it my God story. And the cute thing about this is, is that daughter that I had on my own, her name is Sharisa Jerez. She actually is a writer and she wrote the story. It's called Conquered and it's on Amazon. But um, to know that the first person that was actually saved in that building <laughs> turns around and writes a story of how it all came around. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that, that's amazing. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, so if you are speaking, you know, the main audience for this podcast is a yeah. pregnancy clinic director or pro-life pregnancy clinic leadership. Um, yeah. With, you know, knowing that, what would you want them to hear from your story or from what you're sharing when it comes to how to engage <sighs> with churches or how to engage with post-abortion healing? Which aspect could you want them to really resonate and hear out of this? I guess for me, um, receiving that woman at that pregnancy help clinic, that first contact with her, the importance of knowing that this young lady has an opportunity to po possibly choose life, for them to understand that it's all about how you lay it out, you know, how you are transparent with her, how you can help her understand that, uh, you know, that her life is important, that you're there for her. Because oftentimes they're not thinking, you know, you just can't zoom in on the baby, you know. The, oftentimes it's the baby that helps save the mom. But helping her understand in regards to the conversation about the importance of having the ultrasound. You know, those first questions are so vital, so important. And knowing that you could have someone, you know, who worked in an abortion business and now she's in your center and she's looking for an abortion and she's got all of this guilt, all of the shame, you know, you need to be Jesus for her in that moment and just love her just the way she is. I find that by just, being honest and letting her know that you care. Like I, I tell, when I do the training here at the clinic, I tell the girls, when we bring them in, 
we draw this beautiful picture for them. But then guess what? They got to go back to their reality. And if you told them that you're going to follow up with them, you have to call them back. Because once she walks out and she has to face her reality, that might be a boyfriend that says, what did, you know, what did they tell you? You know, that wasn't where you were supposed to go. And, and then all of a sudden she feels right back where she was at. But if you call her and you tell her, listen, how are you today? You know, can you come back? Maybe you may want to bring him. We have, we can do a second ultrasound for you. You know, let her know that you are there because there's one thing I learned from Reverend Ensor and he says, there's only one savior and we're not it, but we are his voice. We are his hands. You know, we are all that he had deposited in us. And, um, as far as the post-abortion woman, well, that, 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 believe it or not, that is, for me, it's harder to get to the post-abortive woman than to help a woman make a decision for life. Because the, the, the woman who has had an abortion, um, it's only the love of Christ. It's only being just as transparent and letting her know. And it's God's timing. You know, I have people very close to me that will not discuss their abortion, even though I know that they've had an abortion, they're not ready. So for that person, you just have to let them know that you're there with, you know, no condemnation. You're there to love them and to share. And so that's, that's my heart. <laughs> so with Passion Life, do you feel as if pastors are being equipped to to um address the, uh, the 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 you know the abortion healing needed in their congregations is that something that they're being uh equipped to to help with or are they redirecting people to a pregnancy clinic uh group you know what what are the options for a a church when it comes to helping their church um their church body yeah, it, it is important to have um, maybe one or two people that are in the church that feel led to lead that type of, of work because, yeah, obviously for the men, although there are many, many men that are now asking for help. And I think that this type of a ministry, it should be men addressing men and women addressing women, you know, although, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that you, a woman can't help a man in this issue, but I would say, um, yeah, I mean, the pastors are happy to be able to be equipped to know what the word of God says, and then they're convicted in their hearts. I mean, it happened to, you know, Reverend Enser's own personal testimony was that as a pastor, he was a pastor uh, in Boston, there were women that and men that stood up when he decided to speak on abortion, just on a, you know, on, a, on the weekend in January. Oh, my, I'm sorry. Hold on. Oh. are you there yep, I'm, I'm here. sorry uh, and and you know he felt that he had blood on his hands because there were congregants who had had an abortion while he was their pastor so he himself had to come and ask god for forgiveness and then he felt the 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 calling and the anointing of starting pregnancy centers in boston and he started mm -hmm. i believe six of them and before he came to Miami. So I think that, you know, every pastor needs this teaching 
because it is going to, that's what the Lord has called us to the brokenhearted, you know, and there's so many, I mean, think about it, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's, goodness, I forgot even my, um, three in every five women have had an abortion. I mean, it's astronomical, right? Between the ages that they can have babies. So where are these women? Many of them are sitting in the pews. They're in the church. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and like I say, and, and many people know that I do, um, I've done a study where I call it our mask. From the moment you have that abortion, you put on that mask because you can't even look at yourself. And so you get comfortable with that mask and that mask is what identifies you. But when you're able to come before the Lord and he removes that veil and he takes away all of that, you know, guilt and shame, then you're able to be who you were called to be. And that's why I believe that it's so important for a woman, you know, I get it. Yes, God forgave you. But what about you? Have you forgiven yourself? Do you understand that there is a deeper, uh, specific sin that we need to confess and we need to be forgiven and we need to figure ourselves for? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so this is, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing all these stories and and, um, and I hope that pastors will hear this and, and pursue, um, pursue these, you know, these um, educational Bible-based um, pieces that Passion Life is providing and that an executive directors and pregnancy clinic leadership yeah. teams can also connect their churches that they're looking to connect with, with these same pieces. Um, we often talk about in the Princeton Clinic movement, movement how we need to be more connected with churches, but really it sounds like what you're saying is that churches really need to be more connected with this abortion healing topic with what God says about it and because essentially it allows for people to find healing restoration in order to fulfill what God's calling them to do and to be. And that mask is getting in the way as like a, as a burden or a hurdle, or it's something in the way of, um, of being open to what God is saying in there, you know, what God is saying with this still small voice that that mask is blocking or distracting from that still small voice that God, God uses to, to speak to us. Amen. Um, Amen. Well, thank you, Jeannie, for your time. And I You're will, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing this with uh, um, some, some pastors and executive directors and getting the story out Please there. Please do. So, thank you. Well, <laughs> you hop online and, and check out passionlife.org. And if there's anything that you need, you can always contact me and I look forward to, to hearing more about all that you're doing. Yeah, we actually, we had uh, John Enzor on here um, a, few, a few months ago. And he was talking about oh. when things are um, when things are worth doing, they're worth doing poorly. And his, his idea was just get started. You don't have to be the best at what you're doing. Amen. But if it's worth doing, it's worth doing, you know, even though you're going through the learning curve. And so that was one of the things we That's talked right. about was, you know, pro-life work is so worth doing. It's worth doing, even if it comes across with mistakes. 
And so we need Amen. to keep going, even regardless of mistakes and things like that. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds like him. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs>